Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Gita Kandambi. She has accumulated a breadth of scientific and patent law experience at government, public, and private organizations. Her experience includes 20 plus years of, as we say, out of this world scientific research, experience at NASA, management roles in biotechnology companies, patent examination work for the USPTO, and her own entrepreneurial patent practice. Gita is the recipient of two Space Act Awards for inventions at NASA. She is a member of High Power, which I'm going to ask her a little bit about. It is a select group of women corporate leaders who are focused on accelerating each other's uh, leadership roles from professional success to wide-ranging significance. In 2013, Gita was elected to the Leading Women in Technology Board for 2014 and 2015. It is a pleasure to welcome Gita to the Female Red Zone. Welcome. Good morning. Well, hello. So I have a few very important questions for you. The first one is, what made you decide to get your PhD, to, to go that far in education? So um, I was a single mom, and I had to take care of my son, and I was always interested in um, doing more scientific work in diabetes and an ophthalmology because I think uh, it, it, that is something that I was very passionate about and uh, two purposes. I loved, I loved studying more because I think in science it, you want to do the, the most you can so you can make discoveries and the second thing I had to take care of my son. Well, those are those are absolutely great reasons. Why do you think more women don't get involved in in science and in fields related to technology? I think they have to have support and also encouragement. Uh, personally, I feel it's a very long uh, time. It, it takes a long time, and people need to have patience to persevere and be passionate about it. So it has to come as a family support and also from within to say I want to do something different and I want to do I want to I want to really discover something and that's what drives the science the passion for science actually yeah doing something a little bit different than what everyone else is doing I know that you have mentored some young people who are interested in becoming physicians and scientists and, and things like that um, what do you tell them? What do you recommend? Um, you know, does it have to be someone who already has this passion and then you help them along? Or is it young adults who have no idea that maybe this is their calling? Actually, uh, they're both. So the first group of people I really want to address is the ones who have no idea what they're getting into by getting into science and, and medicine. Because it, in, especially in Silicon Valley, when they look at all these startup companies and they have successes, you know, they work very hard and also get uh, uh, results pretty soon because it's a quick turnaround. But science and medicine is not like that. It's a long haul. You really need to be passionate about it. So I kind of look at them and ask them this question that, you know, it's going to take a long time. Is that okay with you? You'll be poor for a very long time with a lot of debt. Is that okay with you? <laughs> and if they, f they say yes, then I have to look at, I, I, I 
help them and say, these are the things that you need to have as a checklist. For example, have you ever shadowed a physician? Have you ever shadowed a scientist? And see what it takes for a whole day for them. What is their day job? You know, shadow them and see whether that's what you like. Science is just sitting in a room and doing a lot of work, grind work, repeated work, and also being to think differently and solve problems. Is that something you would be interested in? And in medicine, you know, you have you go for school forever, and it's a very it, the reason to go into medicine should not be for making money. It is really serving humanity and really doing something different to help others. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that you know I kind of look into them and I kind of find out whether they're interested in it. You can kind of get a get gut feeling. I have taught many of them out of it and ask them to go to, you know, uh, similar professions that are not that long haul. For example, you know, if they want to be in medical field, they can do allied stuff. They can get into nursing or they can get into uh, radi radiation technicians jobs. They want to be in that field, but it's a quick, the studying is not that long. But being a physician is, is, is hard. And it takes a long time. So that's one thing. And what was the second part of your question, Meredith? Well, it was, do you mentor young adults who are thinking already about becoming physicians and scientists? And then on the other hand, do you, you know, sort of help encourage them to, to find that field if they don't know what they want to do? Um, I do uh, help them. And, but uh, I have to look at their resume and look at their passion because people who want to get into science and medicine, they have a mindset since junior high and they have taken advanced courses they have shown interest in chemistry they have shown interest in biology so you need to look into that and uh, I tell parents as well um, that they need to look and see whether they have had the, the inclination to go towards it it's okay for them because most of the parents here in the valley are engineers or software engineers and very few are uh, people who are in science. So they need to have uh, understanding as well what it takes to encourage a child to be in science and give them the opportunities. There are lots and lots of opportunities. I tell them about the opportunities of shadowing, getting mentors, doing a job in a, in a biotech company or a lab, going to hospitals and just being a a person who greets the people and see how sick people are coming and whether they really want to face them day in and day out. Simple things like that just to show whether they're committed to doing what they want to do. So how did you do it? I mean, you're a single mother. You're talking about the debt that people take on and how long it takes. Um, you know, and, and as a single mother, you did that. So how did you do it? Who was encouraging you? Who was encouraging me? Actually, my son is a physician, so I did encourage him to get into uh, doing medicine. Uh, who encouraged me? Um, I had, I was very lucky. I had the best mentors. My PhD um, um, guide was an amazing person who really supported me and encouraged me of every opportunity he had. He found out how I could get a scholarship and asked me to write the exams. He said, I would be more than happy to accept you. And then there was a postdoctoral sponsorship by the best person in India who started the biotech company. Her name was Kuntala Jairaman. 
and she encouraged me to go abroad. So I somehow attracted people who wanted to be my mentor and they helped unselfishly to further my career. And once I came here to the United States, uh, a gentleman, um, a, um, Dr. Rathbun from University of Minnesota, uh, helped me get a scholarship uh, for, from NEI. Only two people are selected in the world per year. And I was one of the recipients of that scholarship. And he was absolutely amazing. He found out that I was a single mom at that time. And he made sure that I had daycare for the child. And he wanted the university to help. So along my way, and afterwards, of course, I got remarried and I came to Bay Area. Uh, but uh, for the longest time, I, had, I have been lucky. I have been very fortunate that I had the best mentors and champions who helped me throughout my career. Well, what if I told you that I didn't really believe in luck, that probably there was something that you were doing that attracted these wonderful people to you because I don't think it was by happenstance and I probably don't think it was by luck. I mean, if you've had these amazing people who sort of pushed you along and guided you and helped you, I mean, finding daycare, are you kidding me? That's awesome. What do you think it is though? And this is maybe a tough question about you that was attracting these amazing people to you because I don't think it was luck. So the feedback that uh, some people told me why they really want to help me was because they saw the passion that I wanted to contribute 100% towards the, the, the project and also towards their expectations. So in turn, they said that we will enable you to, to achieve what you want to achieve because you're so committed. So they knew that it is not just because I wanted to get a job or I wanted to get uh, ahead. It was it was genuine uh, genuine perseverance and interest in the project and commitment that I want to finish it and I want to succeed. Well, that sounds like the you know that that makes a lot of sense because when someone is really passionate. It's, it, it's contagious and you find that you are more interested in what they're saying, maybe more interested in them. I mean, it's happened. It happens to me. I'm sure that it happens to you. Um, but I think that, that yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing sort of a, um, a correlation to what you were doing and why those people were very, very interested in helping you. They saw this in you. And I think that sometimes we're afraid of showing our passion, like that we're really excited about something. But but my gosh, it was the to drive do. too. You know, you're right. It was the drive to say, you know what, I am going to succeed in life, and and I'm going to put in 110 percent of my effort, and there's going to be no slacking in it. And you just don't ask; they they themselves do it because they they recognize it. You're absolutely right. I think probably that's what came through to them, saying that this lady is genuine, and we really really need to help her. So. You know, we talked about some of the, the good things that have happened to you in your educational side and, and moving along in your career. But what about um, some difficult, something that you had to overcome, uh, with maybe in your career, maybe at one of the places that you worked, but something that was difficult that you had to overcome um, in order to get where you're at today? So this is a very interesting question, actually. As scientists, we are just nerds, right? And there is never a yes or no answers in science. It's always a maybe, and then you have to figure out how to make it a yes. But 
nobody trains you in leadership or up management, so what the term that we use in, in, in the industry. So I did my first biotech job and uh, here in the, in the Valley, and my boss was a lady boss, amazing lady. She really, really was taking care of all of us who she hired because it's a very small biotech company. And um, she knew how to do up management and she used to always come and tell us that, you know, I'm fighting for you guys and this is what the, the, the upper management is saying. But I never knew how to up manage the manager's managers. Be, that was one of the failures. As scientists, you're not taught how to be a leader. You're not taught to be having these leadership skills. I think that was a big failure early on in my career. Of course, you pick up fast, but that was something that I didn't know. And, and I tried to find organizations that could help me build that part of my brain to say, okay, uh, you're good at what you're doing, you achieved what you have done, but now how do you manage, up-manage people? I was very good in managing down because, you know, I learned it from my, um, my, my supervisors. But I didn't know how to manage up because I didn't see that. And probably rising up was inhibited because of that. So how do you lead up now? So you have to buy in. You need to understand, first of all, what they are looking and what their goals are and how you can enable them to achieve their goals in, at the same time. How can you make your goal part of their agenda? not goal per se, but their agenda, so that they can be your champion rather than a, a boss telling you what to do. So if you make them feel you belong to their team, you belong to their group, and you're not there as an, their adversary or trying to be a smart aleck trying to go around them. So building consensus, building championship, making people comfortable that, you know, sell your idea and see where they're coming from so that you can adapt your idea and make sure that you know it, it aligns with the general goals of the whole team rather than just going offline but if it is innovative you know they will also recognize so putting your effort first to make them comfortable make them your ally and then once you have that confidence built in them they will listen to your new ideas well, that, that's good advice because, it, you, you know, you do it for yourself, but you're also thinking about the team and thinking about um, the people ahead of you um, and what do they want and what do they need. And you're absolutely right about the alignment. If things are aligning, then you're on their side and they're on yours as opposed to the other way around, which it often, which it often can be. Um, yeah, you don't want to be abrasive in a relationship. You know, you just need to make sure that... Put in the trust first. Let them trust you. Let them understand that, you know, you're not just a smart idea person, but you're also actually working for their idea, too. They are bosses for a reason, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) So have you noticed um, in your, you know, many years of working that there is a pay gap between men and women? Have you seen that live or is that something that you haven't had to deal with? No, I don't think I had to deal with it because uh, in the scientific world, there may be, but I have never, even my business right now, um, if you're good, they don't care what they're paying you. 
But when I was working for somebody also, I didn't see that happen. Probably I was not aware of it because I've always worked in science. So science always gets paid less. So, you know, I know I, I did in a short words now. I, I didn't feel that way. So there's a lot of talk about that, you know, continuing. And I keep thinking, when are we not going to talk about this anymore? When is it going to, when is there going to be equity, um, pay equity between males and females? Why do you think that happens? I think it, the women need to learn how to manage. They need to be strong enough to say what they can contribute. And when they are going out to contribute, I see a lot of young women who are only putting 80% of their effort, but they're making a lot more noise to say that, you know, they want more. Are you putting 100%? Are you putting 110%? Initially, probably that is important. Then along the way, you learn how to manage. I'm not saying that the other gender is uh, putting 110%, but they seem to, that's the impression, you need to learn how to portray yourself. Mm. I think more confidence, self-confidence needs to be built, and people need to have depth in their knowledge, and, com and they have to commit. Automatically, things will come. Yeah, and I think your idea about managing up is really important, too, in, in addition to the things that you just mentioned, because, you know, other people around you have to be on your side and notice how, how great you are. Um, and you can't bang your own drum, but you have to do some things to let them know that you are good. And you actually have to be that way. As you said, if, you're, if you say you're given 110%, you got to give 110% um, and, and show that you're the kind of person that they, that they want to promote, that they want to pay more and those sorts of things. But I, I think there's also some cultural issues where women don't even know that they're getting paid less. And that, that's, the, that's kind of the scary part where, you know, it's just, well, you're a woman and you get paid less. And, and if that's still going on in businesses, which according to everything that I see, it, it is, um, it's unfortunate, but I think it's being aware of what's happening around you and um, being the best that you possibly can be. I don't know who's not doing that, but I mean, that's, that's what we have to do, I guess. So, so the HR managers, they need to make sure, I think most, most HR managers, they should, they should make sure that there's no bottleneck and they should provide a range for everybody and have a criteria why somebody needs to pay, be paid more. They have to have legitimate, legitimate issues to say why somebody needs to pay more than somebody needs to be paid less. Probably if they have that matrix, it's important. I think they should all fall into the same range. If there is a gap between fifty or hundred thousand dollars, that's sad. Yes. But if there is a gap between ten or twenty percent, and if their checklist is okay, to be honest with you, if the, I personally feel the gap is terrible, which should be eradicated. The best way to do it is the people who are heading the churn department yeah. and say, no, you're not going to do this because, you know, it is the same position and the same post and the same qualifications. Everybody should be equal. People in position of decision-making should put their foot down. They should not accept this. I, I totally agree. I, I absolutely agree. So here's a question. What is the riskiest thing that you've done in your career? Quitting a job and starting my own business. <laughs> That's what I was that thinking was you might say. <laughs> I just changed my line completely from science to, uh, to patent legal. And uh, that was scary. Uh, but I had another champion, my husband. He was the champion, internal uh, champion for me. And I said, you can do it. You know, you don't have to worry. I was 
you don't believe in luck but you know i was fortunate that i didn't have to bring bacon to the table at that time so i said okay i'll take the risk oh my god the first month was scary and uh, you know it's a risk you take but if you have done something good to other people people turn around and do good to you so clients just followed after that and uh, i have a very successful business now and this is my 6th year and uh, uh, we have delivered i have delivered we have 50 issued patent in 5 years and uh, it's quite a bit and uh, we work with diverse technologies and people are absolutely um happy with us because we provide the best service we don't discriminate we don't um do a shabby job just because we want volume i'm very particular that everyone has to be like a thesis and it has to be written well and my associates know that and uh, we we are very happy uh, that was a risky thing I mean, you never know where it is going to go and i wanted to be successful and uh, we worked hard the first year was very very hard but uh, that was risky and my son was just getting into school and said oh my god i was going to pay his fees <laughs> <laughs> well i think that if you if you do something new and big it it has to be scary it 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 always is scary and the key is to get beyond that scariness and to work through it um i mean do you think this is the most fulfilling thing that you've done or is it is it a lot of stress because it's your own business No I think this is the most fulfilling thing I have done because we work with dreamers innovators the ones who are creating new businesses and they come to us with their most prized position of intellectual property I suspect they don't even tell their spouses when they come to me mm-hmm. and they trust us because imagine they're basing this to start their business to make a product raise money and grow the business right so we take it very seriously and every every small idea is an important idea some goes places that's a business decision by the money lenders so to call but the passion that comes from an innovator is very infectious and we deal with so many new things that it is amazing to see how people come up with this fantastic ideas and want to protect it so your so it is the excitement have... of knowing new things it's an excitement to help other people it's an excitement of you know being a confident partner of uh, innovator and oh by the way making money is good too <laughs> yes yes it is well so it's it's kind of sounds like you found um a position where your clients are just as passionate about what they're doing as you are about what you're doing and maybe that's why it's such a great fulfilling fit for you absolutely right and i also uh, do a part of it um i like to help uh, women and uh, i like them to start their own business so that they're financially independent so they don't need to deal with this pay gap and everything else right mm-hmm. so i do a lot of pro bono work with uh, underprivileged people for example i had a lady called miriam flores and she was a mexican american lady and she used to work in disneyland and she was illegal here i didn't know that at the time but she invented and she has an awarded patent in her name i wrote she got the application written somewhere else but we prosecuted it i prosecuted it free for her 
I even paid the fee for her because imagine she has never gone to school. She works in Disneyland as a temporary worker. And she comes up with this idea and she has a U.S. patent. Pretty and amazing. now poor thing, she's got deported and I'm trying to find if I can get a micro loan for her in Mexico so that she can build a company. So I go beyond just doing patent service for them. I like to help underprivileged people, especially women, to become financially independent by starting their own business. I think that is the strength to help each other. I think so too. And that's wonderful that you're doing that. Really wonderful. I know that you're also involved in some groups that help you. Um, one, one group that you mentioned was um, High Power. And then I also talked about that in your introduction. But tell us a little bit about what High Power is, um, group of uh, women corporate leaders, but what that does for you and, and the power of kind of being with women and helping other women out. So this was a brainchild of a lady called Mona Sabay. And she actually right now works um, as a general counsel for Anita Borg Institute. She is the most amazing person I have ever heard who's so unselfish to help other women grow. So she started this training pro program for leadership. And she, we apply and she selects a group of people and they are trained into thinking big, making your own platform beyond careers because we have all done what we have to do for careers. What is the big contribution that you're going to do to the world? And how are you going to achieve it? So we have these periodic meetings. And there is a group of women. They call, she calls them tribes. So we belong. I belong to tribe number two. And she had a tribe number one. So amazing group of women get together. And it's a year-long course. Um, you pay very little for it, but you get a lot out of it. And then you have off-site meetings every year. Um, and we meet with each other, and the tribes meet on, on a periodic basis on their own. With the, all our busy schedules, we have dinners and lunches and meetings with each other to help each other reach that goal. For example, my goal was I want to make underprivileged women financially independent by making them businesswomen. Mm -hmm. So how do I go about doing it? So they helped me introduce to VCs who do microloans, I do patent prosecution for them. We also find out who are the buyers and things like that in different industries that can help these women grow. So the, with the, the, the Rolodex reaching with each other and helping each other create that platform, speaking opportunities, uh, going and talking about um, our passion is what we do as, as a high power group. We are a very close-knit group. We have each other back and we uh, question accountability every time. We, if a person has a goal, we try to help them get it. If they don't, we kind of do an intervention and say, what happened? You have a deadline. Let's help you. So that's what High Power does. It's a small group of people. It's very intimate. We, um, what, stays in, what we speak in the group stays in the group, just like the Vegas thing. Yeah, that's good. Because we all need a confidant, and sometimes we need someone that's in a lot of cases, we need someone who's going to push us, but somebody who understands us. I don't want to. I don't want to have someone who doesn't get what I'm trying to do to be pushing me just for the sake of accountability. But these women care, and they're and they're put and you're pushing each other along. So I think that's absolutely wonderful. Exactly, um, they know our weak points, they know our strengths, they know our passion. So we become a family 
of leaders who help each other. Wonderful. Well, tell us how people can reach you or find out more about your company and um, you know, look online uh, about you. So we have a website. It's called uh, Riddhi IP LLC. And that website has some information because we need to show the uh, we need to show uh, our presence on the web, um, and also uh, we uh, you can go to highpower.org, uh, which has got our bios there, which is a very good way to know us. And by the way, I'm a Rotarian as well. I just was inducted as a Rotary member because we believe that um, you know, as a, being a Rotarian, it's easy to reach out internationally yes. and uh, do some social work. And um, um, so, you know, at this point in our careers, we have achieved, we would love to grow, but time to give back to society as well. Right. So you mentioned uh, highpower.org and then mm-hmm. also your web- website, which is riddhiip.com. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Female Red Zone today. And I know that our listeners will get so much out of this and be inspired by your passion because it really is all about the passion. Thank you very much and and good luck to you and all the things that you're doing. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Meredith. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.